0: Welcome to the School for Small Business podcast, where small business owners come to learn the keys to running a successful small business on their own terms. We've been in your shoes, scaling from the basement to the boardroom. We understand the highs and lows of entrepreneurship. And the one thing we know, business doesn't have to be hard. Let us make it easy for you. No business degree required. Join us as we unpack what it really takes to have success the time, the money and the freedom that you desire, all while having a massive impact on the people you serve. It's okay to want it all. If you've ever referred to yourself as an accidental entrepreneur, this is the podcast for you. We're going to dive into the mindset, the strategy and everything in between. While you're busy supporting others, let us support you. Hello and welcome back to the School for Small Business podcast. I'm your host Stacey Millard and I am so excited to be talking to Martina from Grow CPA today. Grow CPA, this duo of women, have been in my world um, sort of at arm's length for about a year and I've been watching all the magic that they've been putting out into the world and really trying to help small business owners. And coming from a numbers girl myself, I'm just super excited to dive into more of that conversation and how it can help small business owners. So I'd love Martina, if you would like to just introduce yourself and your journey to being an accountant a little bit, I'd love to hear from you.
1: Sure. So yes, thanks so much for having me, Stacy. And yeah, I guess just growing up, I had a small town background like you and always loved numbers and math and um, wanted to pursue that in university. So I went to the University of Waterloo and took math there, but I had no idea what I was going to do with it. It was a math and business program, but nothing was jumping out to me until fourth year. I took a intro to management accounting course and it was all about you know cost of goods and figuring out profit margins and forecasting and I was like this is gold like (laughs) I really really enjoyed that and then I had a friend invite me to a case competition that one of the accounting program run by an accounting program and um That was kind of the journey towards getting my CPA designation after school, and I worked corporate for a really long time. Consumer packaged goods was primarily my background, financial analysis, and then I moved to a small community from, so I had gone to the Toronto area for employment opportunities after school, moved back to a small community and started working for small businesses and seeing just the importance of Understanding your numbers, good financial management, good money management, and the difference that that could make, and specifically around profitability, um, because I've worked in a lot of with a lot of product-based businesses, profit margins are so key. Then I met Ashley, my my current business partner. I was on a, my third mat leave, so I have three kids and wanting more flexibility and balance in my life. And she just kind of opened that door with this idea of forming a business together. And here we are, it's been four years and we love it. We work with small businesses to help them understand their numbers. And it's just been sort of um, uh, an
0: awesome path to where I am today. I just love it. Can we for a minute just appreciate that coming from the financial like an accounting background that we get the benefit of both owning a business so we experience entrepreneurship and then we also help entrepreneurs like there's just an extra level of like understanding that comes from mm-hmm. you know CPA business owners.
1: Yeah, and it's something it's it's something I try to articulate but sometimes doesn't I sometimes forget but yeah, I am an entrepreneur myself. So like I'm working with all of these small businesses, but I'm also running a small business. So it's a really nice, just uh value add for them that I can bring into, you know, their realm.
0: Yeah. A whole different level of understanding. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I love it. So working with small business owners, one of the tools that you guys put out last year that really just like caught my eye for any Canadian business owners was a spreadsheet that helps you decide when to incorporate. And it was something that like I had that question. I still get that question consistently from people. And I really like, can you tell me like what sparked you putting that out? How do you think it helps people? And I guess like, I just love the focus on really providing quality advice to small business owners. Cause that's not something that I've seen any other accounting firm do.
1: Yeah. Amazing. So yes, when we started this journey, we knew we wanted to work like one-on-one with small businesses, but we didn't have the capacity to work with everybody. And we, but we had a desire to help more people, especially the pandemic. It really became Transparent. The it sort of through the I guess you call it the Great Resignation. There was just, and we all already had an o- online presence through social media and Instagram, and so we really felt like so many more people reaching out to us, and the questions were really repetitive in nature, like very. And we knew we could help. And one of them was, you know, should I incorporate? When <laughs> when is the right time to incorporate? And layering onto that, like so many people make the mistake of incorporating too early so, <laughs> so without you know basically if you if you ask anybody on the street should, uh what's the benefit of incorporating they'll be like oh you'll save so much money but that's not true when you look at our tax system in terms of it's an integrated tax system so you really have to look at it from an integration perspective how much tax are you paying in the corporation how much tax are you taking personally? And that's the piece that people miss. Yes, inside the corporation, taxes, the tax rates are much, much lower, but you have to pay yourself. You have to live your life, you have to feed your family, and that is personal. That's salary or dividend that you're gonna be paying personal income tax on. So this tool essentially allows you to ask yourself the questions, gives you a checklist of what you need to consider before making that decision. And then it's a calculator that says, you know, how much are you making? How much do you need to live your life? And in theory, if there's a a margin, if there's, if you're making more in inside that corporation, than you need to live your life. Yes, there is tax benefits. And this calculator will show you those tax benefits and compare them versus the cost of The administration of having a corporation. So the tax filings and the legal filings and the legal obligations and costs that you'll have to incur with that corporation now, because it's a separate entity that you have to, to manage.
0: Yeah, I love it. And I think sometimes it's so funny, maybe accountants and lawyers, like we should put on some boxing gloves sometimes. But it's like, we, the one thing that stands out for me is that every person that you meet that's a professional is really coming at it from like their background and lawyers, like they on average see, you know, the worst case scenarios, right? So oftentimes I see somebody that talks to a lawyer and they're like, Oh, you should incorporate. This is great for you. And then they don't realize like the accounting and the financial piece behind it is like, Hey, this is going to cost you at least $2,500 more a year just to manage. Like now that you're spending thousands for yes. a year. And so like the question I love to ask people is like especially if they've gotten advice somewhere else is not really to be like well they're wrong, but it's like can you go back and ask your lawyer how many times they've seen somebody in your industry sued for something like this that they're telling you, you know, is going to be a risk and I look at it more like almost like an insurance plan, right? Like it's in case something happens, how much risk do you think you're going to have? You know, like a car accident, that's fairly risky. Lots of people get in car accidents. So the same thing with your business. And then you get to weigh those financial costs against that risk and be like, okay, does this make sense for me and my business?
1: Yes, I agree. And that is a challenge still to this day, different opinions from different sources. But yeah, ultimately it has to be the business owner weighing those opinions and making the right choice for them. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And it's so hard, right? Because you have all these people in these different industries that are like professionals, whether it's like a marketing, like professional or, you know, an accountant or a lawyer, like we're all professionals. So you like as a business owner, one of the things I say is like, it's incredibly difficult because you're looking up to somebody like they know something more than you. And, but then you're supposed to make this decision of like, no, you don't know what you're talking about almost. So I just want to give business owners credit for how much they have to face and like go through and those decisions and how tough they can be. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And there's other ways you can protect yourself other than the corporate structure, right? You can have like liability insurance, you can have really solid contracts, engagement letters with your clients and all of that. All of those things are additional protections that you can put in place Maybe before moving into that you know taking that step next step in your business, so lots of considerations, yeah. but I agree there's a, <laughs> there's a lot for small business owners to have to wade through for sure,
0: yeah, so switching gears just a little bit, I'm still like talking numbers, I'd love to know from you what are some things that you're teaching business owners like this is what you need to be looking at every month. And maybe you can also give examples of like how it really benefits the small business owner to look at them.
1: Yeah. So we preach profits, (laughs) profits over revenue, right? So we really want to be looking at our profits and not necessarily that revenue figure. That revenue figure is awesome. Like it feels good. This is how much money I'm making. It's become really I guess, dramatized in the online space is like, that's the goal that we're chasing. But really, you can have such a beautiful business that is just bringing in the amount of revenue to give you a healthy profit that you can live your life with in a like in a really sustainable, manageable way. And we don't have to be chasing the top line all the time, because sometimes that, that comes at a cost of ultimately healthy profits in your business. I have seen everything, and I'm sure you have too, seven-figure businesses literally making no profits at all, actually having losses. Um, I've seen, you know, six-figure- And not even
0: just one year, like, ooh, it was a bad year. It's like, this is multiple years. A business owner isn't paying themselves a wage. They're working for free. Like it happens. People don't think it does, but it does. Yeah. Like if it's
1: a debt heavy business, you'll have a lot of, you'll be basically paying towards your lenders and, and not yourself. Or if even if you, if we're talking about an online business, I mean, I personally haven't seen this in, in my client roster, but having a seven figure business and maybe you're paying subcontractors and ads and everything, and you're actually not really profiting that much. Or you could, and so on. The flip side, you could have a business making a hundred or two hundred thousand, and they're maybe profiting like eighty percent of that, depending on what they're, you know, if they have very, very low costs in their business. So it really doesn't need to be about that. It really needs does need to be about looking at how much you need to live your life, building a business that um, sustains that, and and we should be looking at our profits every single month. So we should be doing some kind of bookkeeping in our business to record all of our income and expenses and look at that profit margin and then set aside for taxes, set aside for sales tax, if we've got GST or HST that we're collecting, set aside for savings and automate. If we can automate, that's great because that just makes our lives that much easier and then we know we have, you know, the right systems in place to make those payments when they come due and so forth.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm springing this on you a little bit, but my, I have a question. Do you like the profit first method? Do you preach like that? You, you're saying automate savings. Like, mm-hmm. is that something you guys believe in? Ashley really loves profit first. And, uh,
1: you know, I, I understand the concepts and I I do get stuck a little bit on kind of like translating it to a Canadian business it's not specific to Canadian businesses and I've seen Canadian businesses try to try to implement it what I find I don't love about it is people try to implement it to the T so they take the Mm -hmm. exact percentages that he's giving and they apply it to themselves whereas what we really should be doing is figuring out what those percentages are that are best for us and our unique businesses and applying them so Um, Unfortunately, if you're not a numbers person, if it's not your strength, you're maybe leaning on this book a little too heavily to implement those buckets, so the the concept of Profit First is sort of categorizing or each month moving money into a lot of different bank accounts for expenses and savings, and we do, in our own business, have a system like that, and we actually work with our clients to have a few different bank accounts. But also, I think it's very common in the U.S. to have a lot of different bank accounts, and they don't have as many fees associated with different bank accounts. It's a little bit different of a system in Canada. So I think tailoring it to Canadian businesses, if I were to just give some advice, it's like we always recommend having at least one checking account, a savings account for sales tax, maybe a separate one for your income tax savings, and then a, a dedicated credit card that you're just using for business transactions. So a minimum of about those three accounts, three to four accounts, and then automating where possible. And uh, so so a hybrid of like the profit first.
0: Yeah, I love that. Um, one of the things that I love about profit first is like the concept of you have this budget for your expenses and you put the money in the account. And then it's like, when the money's gone, you're like, holy crap, the money's gone. What am I going to do now? And it really forces you almost to like, not necessarily follow a budget, but be a lot more mindful of your spending. So when we have like business owners overspending consistently and they're not getting to where they want to be, I love that visual of like, there's no money left in the account. And I love the automatic savings for taxes because you know, for most people, they're spending their taxes on a day to day and they get to the end of the year and then they're like, I don't have my tax money. It's like, well, if you didn't have it in your account to begin with, then this wouldn't be a problem. So I do love that system. And I love how you talk though about like, let's make it unique. Like every business is so unique. So let's make it in a way that like works for you. I had one question that I really wanted to ask you, because I think a lot of people just kind of shoot in the dark when it comes to pricing their products. But how do you use numbers to help business owners determine like how much they should be charging and really like focusing on making that profit that you talked about?
1: Yeah. So with a product based business, this is something I've seen a lot where we're not really looking close enough at the inputs that are going into creating that product. We absolutely have to have a handle on that. And recently we've seen inflation going up. Like, If your inputs are going up, your pricing needs to be going up. It's just a matter of survival, essentially. So taking a spreadsheet and just having it set up so that you can easily reference back to it, and if those input costs are changing, just change it in your spreadsheet and it'll tell you exactly how much it is... Costing to produce that product and then we need to be putting a healthy profit margin on there so we need to be looking at what's the volume we can sell how much will that give us then in terms of profits you know is that a sustainable business for us Um, our profit planner my profit planner is a tool that could be used to kind of calculate out revenue and expenses and uh, provide a profit margin for something like that and then when it comes to services People are undercharging because they're not valuing their own time. I think a lot of the times we move from an employment situation, let's say we were making $25 an hour in an employment situation, we move to self-employment and we're like, I'm going to charge $35 an hour. Wow, I've just taken a, a $10 an hour pay increase. This is going to be amazing. But what people don't recognize is that so much of our time isn't really going into direct inputs of serving our customers. And so we're like, I remember, well, we we track our time in our business and we've been doing it for four years now. And the data that you get from that, I know it's tedious and not something a lot of people enjoy, but it's data. It is gold when it comes to saying, okay, what does it actually take in terms of time to deliver this service? How much of our, time is not really going towards client work, therefore, you know, when we're pricing that same service in the future, and I don't necessarily always recommend pricing by the hour. We don't do that. We've gotten to a place where we're, you know, value billing essentially, but still having the data points to be able to look at what it's, what its bare minimum should cost is so critical. And then you can go from there in terms of your comfort level of, you know, value pricing or project pricing or whatnot. So I think a lot of times people just miss that piece about not actually being 100% productive and, and, and billable essentially.
0: Yeah, I love that. And you know, one of the things that you just said about like value billing and not, you're not billing hourly. So I love that because it does mean it gives you like this ability to be more productive, you can make more money per hour off of it. And it, Honestly, it's just easier in relationship wise of not having to be like, here's exactly how I spent those five minutes. And then the business owner doesn't agree with it when honestly, if you didn't bring it to their attention, then they don't know and they they're not unhappy with it. Right. But it's funny because I think sometimes people think that value billing and just coming up with like a here's my fee for the month means that you don't need to have like an hourly rate or you don't need to track it. And it's like, that's not true either. <laughs> you like, you still work an X number of hours and you're still going to make X dollars for that time. So having that track time and that understanding of like, here's how much I'm making per hour will lead to a lot of happiness when you're like, hey, I feel valuable for what I'm working.
1: Yes, and will prevent scope creep because when you're billing a package, which a lot of service providers are doing, like a monthly package, It's so easy to just say, wow, you know, I'm getting this much from this client per month and then as they start asking for more or things come up, just not setting those boundaries on what the scope of services is and saying yes here and there, it just creates creep and you if you're not really tracking the hours that you're putting into that, you may not be realizing that it's really eroding your profitability on that on that client on that package.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Okay. So I'm going to ask you one more question. What is it that you are seeing amongst small business owners that if you had like the microphone, which you do right now, you're like, I need to tell everybody this, you're missing this. All right. So
1: I think that a lot of people, small business owners and so forth, think that there is a magic answer to money. They just need to get this one mindset change. They just need to, you know, learn this one concept and that's not the case. Really just taking small steps towards improving your financial literacy to implementing better money systems in your business day to day to day will actually be the biggest shift in your mindset. Will be. The biggest shift towards better profits in your business will, will give you that confidence. Like, it, it, you'll build confidence over time as you start taking action on understanding your money, understanding your finances, and looking at them more often. I think that people just think it's, it's you know, there's one thing that they need to do, and they just haven't done it yet and they maybe don't take action on it cuz they're afraid or they think it's going to be something larger than they're they're willing to take on at this point when really it's just like small tiny actions really lead to a massive transformation in how we feel about our money, how we understand our money and ultimately how we much money we can we can bring into our business because of just the clarity that the numbers can tell us if we pay attention to them.
0: Oh, I'd love to amplify that message because I see people making investments in a way that's like, okay, if I just learn this one thing or I just attend this one course or this one program, it's going to be like the solution. And it's like, it never is. It's all the actions over and over again that lead to it. And if we made investments in learning something like it was incremental, lots of people would have a lot more profits sitting in their bank account. So I love that. Okay, where can people find you to follow along with all your advice? So Instagram, we're at GrowCPA.
1: I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. I've just started being more active there. Martina Morton on LinkedIn and our website, www.growcpa.ca. If you go to the work with us tab, you'll find all of our templates, tools, and any courses or programs that we are running.
0: Yeah, highly recommend the templates and the tools. They're really laid out in a way that are so easy. So many people in my world have recommended literally the spreadsheets, even though people are scared of spreadsheets. They're, once you dive in, you're like, holy, this is easy to use. So yeah. um, thank you, Martina, so much for your time today. Just want to like give you a shout out for talking numbers when people are scared about them. And thank you for all you do.
1: Amazing. Thank you for having me, Stacey.
0: Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the School for Small Business podcast. That's right. I'm saying thank you because I believe so heavily in small businesses and how they are the backbone of our community. And I am so grateful that you are taking the steps to make sure that your small business is here for the long run, supporting your family and your community. And I just love it. If you found any nuggets from this episode that were helpful to you, I want to ask you a favor. I want to ask that you share them with a friend because if you found them helpful, somebody else will as well. And it's that concept of the rising tide raises all ships. So please go ahead and share with a friend, whether it's on social, maybe you're sending them an email the old school way. I don't know. You want to send a letter, but any way you want to share. I would just be eternally grateful. And as always, like please just shoot me a DM on Instagram. I love to chat with small business owners.